Happy New Year, y'all. This is Dr. Amy. I'm coming back with season two of Life Conversations with Dr. Amy podcast. And we're going to start the new year. We're going to help save some of these marriages. This is going to be for the people that are going through some issues with their marriage. And we want to help you save your marriage and live a happy, long life in your marriage with your spouse or significant other. And my guest is Miss Janelle Green. She's a certified life and relationship coach. She's coming from the West Coast over in um, Vancouver, Canada. Welcome. Thank you, Dr. Amy. I'm happy to be here. Thank you. Uh, Her mission is to save marriages and also to heal families from generational trauma. That is her focus. And Mrs. Green, let's turn it over to you so you can tell us a little bit more about yourself. Yeah, sure. Thank you. Well, like you said, I live in Vancouver. Uh, I've been happily, blissfully married for 17 years to the sweetest, most beautiful, perfect, gentle giant (laughs) who is my best friend in the whole wide world and being this happy it's I've kind of made it my mission that I want everyone else to be this happy and it's been my experience that anyone can be happy because at the end of the day God made us from love and so we are all love and there are things that have made us forget that we are that and that each other is that. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of the the work that I do with my clients is doing the healing work, you know, letting go of the fears and the beliefs and the ego and the pride that keeps us separate from each other. Uh, I've also been divorced and that's kind of where my journey started in this work was the moment when I stopped to look at myself and say, what is it about me that mm-hmm. my life, that my relationships go a certain way because there was a pattern. And I think most of us who've been in a lot of relationships can say, yeah, like there's this pattern. I seem to attract this kind of person and why? And so I got really curious about that. I did the work, I healed that. And instead of getting divorced, you know, I'm Catholic too. That adds a whole new layer of (laughs) guilt, shame and all of that, right? But I I finally got to the point where I took responsibility for my own childhood trauma and my own emotional wounds and my fears and my expectations, really. And to be able to say to my ex-husband, listen, I've been blaming you. I've been making you wrong. I've been judging you. And to be honest, you're great the way you are. And it doesn't work for me. And so instead of our marriage being this very tumultuous, stressful, painful, almost hateful experience, which I think a lot of couples go through. Mm -hmm. We went to the law courts together. We signed the papers side by side. We went out for dinner and the entire divorce costed us $80. (laughs) Oh, wow. What year was that? This was uh, about 20 years ago, but Uh because we had we hadn't we had we were fighting we weren't fighting about anything it wasn't about burning each other or hurting each other you know it was really just this mutual agreement that 
we want different things and let's just honor each other and move forward. Now, I think if I'm really honest, I think I was that more than he was. He was pretty upset with me, clearly. Mm -hmm. um, but I was okay with that. I could, I was able to accept his emotion, get that he was hurt and still be committed to having a relationship that I want and not mm -hmm. settling and tolerating something that really clearly was not working for me. And yeah. so, you know, this really starts when I was nine. So when I was nine years old, um, my dad cheated on my mom with my mom's oh. best friend oh, and they wow. had a baby and he left. <laughs> and I was nine, my sister was six, my brother was three. And up until this point, my, my parents had a really great marriage. They went to church together. You know, they even had a business together. They cook and clean together. They did everything together. And so when this happened, it was a huge shock to to me. Um, and what I saw in doing the work and the healing was that I had made that little nine-year-old inside of me made three decisions that day subconsciously. Mm -hmm. Number one, that I'm unlovable. Number two, I can't trust people. And number yeah. three, everybody I love will leave me. So then what's the point of finding a great person because they're going to leave me anyway. And so that's what was actually going on for me subconsciously. And I didn't know that until I did the work and I couldn't get over that pattern until I really healed what there was to do and really forgive my dad, forgive mm -hmm. myself. Right. Yes. And so that's, so that's why I'm here now. And so I work with couples who have been told by therapists and counselors that there's no hope for them, that they should just get a divorce. I work with couples who both come from divorced parents. And so they never really were taught how to have patience and understanding and how to communicate in a respectful and loving way. And so I have so much compassion for these people because it's not that they're bad people or that they don't care or that they're selfish or even narcissistic. They just weren't necessarily brought up in a loving home where they got to mm -hmm. experience, oh, okay, so that's what you do when you're upset. You don't lash out, you actually talk about it. And luckily for me and my husband, I think one of the blessings that we both share is that both our parents loved each other and we saw mm -hmm. affection, we saw respect um, both for both of us. So when we came together, that expectation and the values we're already aligned. Wow, that's good. I was gonna ask, what what was your motivation? What was your passion about? You know, going towards this field, and um, why did you leave your sales job? Because you were high performer in your previous career. Yes. So you, you just explained all that. <laughs> Well, you know, well, to be honest, I actually had a calling. I got this like message one night that just said, Janelle, like you're meant to heal and, and bring love to the world. I was like, Emma? I heard, and then I heard, I got another message a few months later that I was a healer. And it was funny because my first thought oh. was like, me? healer and then the second thought was of course it was very strange because i had never considered i have never looked at myself like that but the moment that i tried that on i was like yeah oh, wow. so i think it was a very divine intervention because my life was going great i was working from home five six hours a day I was traveling one month of the of every month, you know, and I'm a Sagittarius, so I love to travel. I love adventure. I was making six figures. I had a job that I could do with my hands tied behind my back. And there was this spiritual calling that was like 
it felt like a tug on my heart, a tug on my soul. And it was, it went on for about a year until I really just leaned into it because like many people, it's like, why would you leave something that makes good money, isn't stressful that you're, you know, like Mm -hmm. I had just, I had actually, the day I quit, I had actually just came home from a free top producers trip to Italy. My company had paid for me and my husband to go to Rome for a, a week to accept a trophy, an award in front of 500 people of my company. And four days later, after I came home from that trip, I quit. Because yeah. even though I had all of that, mm-hmm. and here I am, you know, I'm in the Sistine Chapel. I'm like, I'm doing these amazing, I'm getting on stage and giving this award. My heart was like, this is great. And at the end of the day, when I get to the pearly gates of heaven, and St. Peter says, Janelle, what did you do with your life? I felt like I had nothing to say about it that was worthy of my own life here on earth and so Mm -hmm. i really just sat down and this was just before i turned 40 and so i I sat down and i just really thought to myself if i was put on this earth for a reason what might that be for and Mm -hmm. what are the gifts the experiences the heartbreak the lessons everything that the talent that i've been given naturally god-given talent how can i bottle that up and make that something that is so unique in the world that only janelle can offer even if try- someone tried to replicate it they couldn't because it's so authentically me mm-hmm. and so i actually hired a coach and that's how i discovered coaching i was like wow this woman made a huge impact in my life i want to be that for other people and then, you know, at that time I was, you know, married to this guy and the, that was the question people would always come up to me and say, how is it that you two have been together for so long and yet you guys look at each other like you just met? And so I'm like, that's a great question. And so that's what I teach. Oh, that what an inspiration, especially to me, because I've never been married mm. and I desire marriage and I want it to work. I want it to last. I don't even want to talk about divorce. I just, I want, I've been praying for my mm. mate and I'm still praying, but <laughs> mm-hmm. God, I know God is hearing me. He knows what I need. Right. So and sometimes we get impatient, don't we? We're like, hurry. I know. To- yeah, because I'm I just turned 49 two days ago. <laughs> so, I just I just turned 46 two days ago. Three days ago. Oh, I'm a, mine was the 20th. Oh, I'm the 19th. Oh wow. Happy belated Happy birthday. Sister. <laughs> yes. <laughs> wow. So what would you say to people that say marriage is difficult? marriage is hard how would you answer somebody that said that you hear that a lot yeah i mean fair marriage can be hard but it doesn't have to be i think part you know when i look back at my first marriage like why did i do that why did it break down what would i have done differently the one thing i do see the the relevance between that relationship and all the other relationships i coach on is that we often get married for the wrong reasons i know for myself yeah okay i loved him but what was really there was fear the fear of being alone the Mm -hmm. fear of what it looks like to be a single filipino woman Mm -hmm. um the fear of not fitting into this wife club that 
is so popular in the Filipino culture. You know, I'm I just turned 46 and still every year my aunts go, "Happy birthday, Janelle. Hope you have a baby soon." <laughs> like I'm 46. It's probably not going to happen. <laughs> but it's just such it's such an expectation. Mm-hmm. And so I think part of it was that I honestly didn't feel worthy to wait and I was so afraid of being alone that I kind of just said yes to the first offer. Oh, wow. You know, I think other people uh, also get into marriage because either they get pregnant. Yes. Right. Or yeah, they're, they're, they're like my, my time, my, my clock is ticking and I need to go and get married and have kids, but they don't Mm -hmm. do the preparation work first for themselves. And then the preparation work as a couple, you know, to have those really important conversations around, do we want kids? Where are we going to live? What is our faith going to be like? How many times a week are we going to have sex? You know, these things that might be difficult conversations to have, but they're so important. But, you know, we we avoid mm-hmm. conflict, you know, conflict conversations. And so we just sweep it on the rug. We'll go, we'll, we'll deal with it when we get to it. When really you actually need to deal with it right up front and go, okay, what are your expectations in this marriage? Okay, here are my expectations. Are they the same? Most people don't do that exercise. The other thing that people don't do is they're not clear about their own values. And so they don't know how to put up boundaries. Then they feel unappreciated and taken advantage of. But it's because they haven't trained the people in their life to treat them a certain way. Mm-hmm. And so when I got married with my with Mike, I was very clear about here's what I need from you as a partner. And if you can't do that for me, that's okay. But I'm going to be really upfront. You got to go to church with me. You got to come to the family. You know, like these are the things that I expect. And so that's, I think we really set ourselves up for success. And then the other, the last piece is that there's always what's required is a a foundation of friendship. So many couples rush the process and they forget to really establish this thing called friendship. And so with Mike and I, we actually met over the phone. We live 4,000 miles from each other in the beginning when we met. And so we, so we were friends for the first two, three years uh, that we met. Um, and so we got a chance to build that trust, build that connection without physical, right? Because nowadays, everybody just, everybody just wants to sleep with each other. <laughs> They don't yeah. take the time to know each other, to value the person. They just want to go, is he is he or she good in bed? Okay, cool. And then they they miss the, the really important stuff. Yeah. I like that people we don't want to have those difficult conversations. We're yeah. we're we're asking what's your favorite color? Where do you like yeah. to go eat? Instead of asking, you know, what's your morals, what's your values, your faith, your religion. And yeah. then I like when you said telling that person what you need. Yeah. in this in your marriage letting yeah. them know this is, this is what i expect i want yeah. communication every day i want you said like to visit your family and go to church yeah that i want good. three hugs three kisses and three i love every day yeah. <laughs> i think part of the problem is we have especially women we have this idea that if he loves me he should just know all this exactly (laughs) 
Men are not like that, ladies. They are super, they're like, I don't want to call them stupid, but they're very simple. It's like work, we're, we're like, they're like black and white, and we are like the colors of the rainbow. Not like one is more important or better than the other. They're just very different. And so if we know that, then we can actually, I like to call train our partner. And so mm -hmm. I say to my husband, like, for example, honey, when I say I need a time, like when we're arguing, and he likes to talk and talk and I get really frustrated and I need a time out so that I can come down from my crazy brain. I mm -hmm. let him know that, honey, I need my time out. I need five minutes on my own to cool down and I promise you I will come back to the conversation, right? But I don't wait till the fight happens to ask for it. I ask for it in advance. So mm -hmm. I set him up to say, hey, here are my triggers. Here's what pisses me off. <laughs> Here's yeah. how I behave. And if you keep poking the bear, this is what's probably going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> and so I set him up for expectation. And so that when he does, if you want to call it mess up, I can actually say like, listen, this is why it went. This is why it went the way it went. I asked you to give me space. You did not honor that. Mm -hmm. And I told you I was going to get nasty. And that's what happened. Now I got to get responsible for it and clean it up. But I need you to get that this is how I behave and work and I'm working through it. And you need to understand that this is what I need if you want this conversation to end peacefully and not become an argument. Exactly. It's really about setting expectations. Yeah, and another thing. Oh, this mark. Um, some people may be scared they're gonna lose that person if they let them know, you know, their boundaries or their expectations. They're fearful of telling them because they may think, oh, that person may think oh, I was not gonna put up with this. So I don't wanna lose them. So I'm not gonna tell them this because I don't think they would, you know, want to do this or that. Mm -hmm. But you got to think if they don't want to and that's what you really want, then maybe that's not the person for you. Yeah. I think as well is that we need to be very careful with our communication. Mm -hmm. I think we, we have been taught to believe that you just need to be honest. Mm -hmm. Yes, you need to be honest, but there is a way to communicate in a loving and respectful way. Because here's the thing, if you lash out from a place of anger and, and fear, that person that you're trying to communicate with isn't going to hear well, you have to say, because guess what? They're just dealing with themselves. They're dealing with that defensiveness, that, that the triggers that show up, their own emotional wounds, mm -hmm. their own, you know, their own fear and ego. And so if you're not careful, whatever comes out of your mouth, even as, as important as it is, they can't actually hear it because of the tone and the energy that your message is coming from. And so there is a way to, it's just a way of communicating and it really starts with loving yourself, knowing who you are and your values and just coming from a place of love rather than a place of blaming, shaming and complaining. Exactly. Cause that's, that right. freaks men out big time. <laughs> That that is a, that is the formula for automatic shutdown. Yes, I like when yeah. you said at the beginning how you took responsibility for you know your part with your divorce yeah. and your first marriage. You didn't like blame, blame, blame. You took responsibility, and then you forgave. Yeah. You know, and that's hard for some people to do. They want to. We always want to blame that other person and not think that we had any part to do with it the breakup yeah. or the divorce and so yeah, yeah. 
it's so you know why it's just so much easier that way it's so much easier to blame someone else because then you don't have to do anything you don't need to change it's mm -hmm. easy but when you take responsibility you actually have to confront the parts of you that you don't love and that's hard for people especially when we've been brought up with this this really great skill to feel guilt about everything yes and to right. be really hard on ourselves especially us with type a personalities we want everything to be perfect it's like right. we gotta get it right we don't want to fail at anything yeah so. absolutely and i think the last thing that um, i would want to share with people is that we have to remember that we're all human we all have the emotions we're allowed to feel whatever emotions we feel i think sometimes we we're like you can only feel positive emotions negative emotions not allowed yeah. but that's just denying a part of us and again we're back to the guilt oh i shouldn't be feeling this way well why not why can't you feel anger there's nothing wrong with it now you don't want to sit there and stay there but mm -hmm. it's it is a completely um natural human emotion and I think when we feel it, we just need to have compassion for ourselves. We need to forgive ourselves and just give ourselves the space to feel whatever we feel. Now, for me, when I do that, I give myself a time limit. So depending on how drastic or how emotional it is I'm dealing with, I'll give myself an hour. And if it's a really big thing, I'll give myself the day. So I'll say, you know what, for the rest of the day, I'm gonna allow myself to feel all the feels. Yeah. <laughs> But tomorrow yes. morning when I wake up, it's over. Yeah. Because there's no there. point. There's no good that can come from sitting in this low vibration, fearful, non-godly place. And that's not who I am. And I see my role in this world as really important. And the longer I stay in my, I like to call my poopy diaper, mm -hmm. the, the less time <laughs> I have to make the difference that I want to make in my life with the people that I love. Wow, that's good. I just, I had a, a, a name for you, the marriage healer. The marriage healer, <laughs> oh, I like that. Yes. I like that. So what are you, um, some key ways that people can maintain a happy marriage? Yeah, um, the first thing that comes to my mind is appreciation. Yes. We have gotten into this, this habit of First of all, only seeing the negative, only seeing what wasn't done right, what wasn't perfect, what, you know, and pointing that out and very, very little energy actually acknowledging, appreciating and recognizing the effort and the time that it takes for that person to do that thing. And a lot of people say, well, it's expected. Why should I have to appreciate that? That's just their job. That's their role. Mm -hmm. It does. Okay, fair. And you will get a lot more with honey than you will with vinegar. Yeah. So let me look, I'm going to share a little bit about my, my marriage. My husband, his love language is physical touch and verbal affirmations. Mine is acts of service. So when my husband cleans my house, cooks me dinner, I am highly turned on by that. Like to me, that is like, yes. yes. Um, and for him, I know what he needs is a hug, a kiss, and a, I love you. And to yes. let for me to tell him that you are doing great. You're a great husband. You're a great provider. I appreciate you taking the time to make dinner, to go and getting the groceries, to 
chopping everything up so that I can just sit down and eat. I don't got to worry about anything, including cleanup. And I appreciate that because now I can focus on my work instead of worrying about what's for dinner. So thank you for being my partner and helping me be successful. And he loves it. You know, when I met my husband, he was, when we got married, he was 300 pounds. He was very overweight and he's been overweight his entire life. But he started, you know, I've been, been encouraging him to get healthy and work out. So I'd been going to the gym. I said, you know, you should come. He finally comes with me. And that day he goes, babe, check out my muscles. Like I can feel it toning up. And so I grab his arm. I said, oh, baby, so yes. nice. I, I like it, you know? And I, he saw that look in my eye. He's like, okay, maybe I'll go to the gym tomorrow. This man has lost a hundred pounds. Wow. And he is gorgeous and stacked. He goes to the gym five days a week. He looks amazing. And I know that he does it partly to make me happy because he That's loves true. it when I, yeah, he loves it when I squeeze his arms and he loves it when I go, oh baby, your chest is so, I'm a chest girl, I love chest. So I go, oh baby, your chest is so nice and firm. And he, he loves it. He's like, yay, I get more affection. And so <laughs> whatever it is that I ask from him, he's like ready to, and he's like, yes, ma'am. Cause he knows that he's gonna get something in return. Yes. And I believe if we were like that with each other more, that we would actually show up more. We wouldn't, we wouldn't have to nag. We wouldn't have to get into arguments or treat each other like this child parent, you know, with your, with your spouse thing. We could avoid all that. And I want to talk quickly about infidelity for a second, because when I talk to people who have cheated on their spouse, the number one reason why they do that is they do not feel appreciated. Oh, wow. That's the number one reason, right? You're like, I need love. And if your partner's too busy for you and someone else is, hi, I got love right here for you. And you're like, okay, well, I'm not getting it over here. I haven't, you know, I've had clients who their partner hasn't had sex with them for five years and mm -hmm. their partner is highly sexual and they're like dying inside. Like, you know, it's like not having water, but it's like, what do you expect? If, you're, if that's extremely important to your partner and you're not giving them what they need, how are you surprised that they're being tempted by another so easily? Yeah. So I say, you know, do what you can to make sure that you build that fence around your relationship, right? And it starts with respect and communication and setting expectations so that you both come to this relationship both feeling appreciated, loved, respected, mm -hmm. accepted, and connected. Yeah. So is it important to also communicate along with the communication, communicate your love language to that person? Cause they may not know your love language. Um, yeah. Well, sometimes people don't even know what their love language is. Right. And so, you know, if people are listening to this and wondering, how do I figure that out? The really easy way is uh -huh. what is it that your partner complains the most about? Is it that they don't get enough kisses? Is it that they don't get enough quality time? Is it that you never buy them anything? You can usually tell in someone's demeanor which ones they are. And to be honest, we all possess all five, but usually there's one or two that are really, that rank really high. And even mm -hmm. if you ignore the bottom three and just focus on the top two, you will get farther along. Cause then you're not trying to put out so much energy in so many different places. You're focused on just two places. And so for my husband, that's physical touch and verbal affirmation. And for me, that's service and verbal. So, you know, me and my husband, we share 10 kisses, 10 I love you's and 10 hugs every day. And that's what fuels our relationship. That's good. <laughs> 
That is beautiful. So you shared one reason um, people seek divorce. What are the top three reasons you, you would say people divorce? want divorce? Mm -hmm. Communication and more and underneath communication is getting responsible for your own inadequacies, triggers, ego, and all that. And I think, again, going back to what we talked about in the first five, 10 minutes, if you have friendship and trust as the foundation of your relationship, it's so much easier to have these hard conversations because you know your partner isn't just going to leave. There's no fear of being abandoned because you have that feeling of safety in your relationship but if you don't have that your relationship is like a house of cards right it's just gonna fall down at anything but again i think we were never taught how to communicate mm -hmm. in a loving way what do we do we interrupt we invalidate we get defensive we don't take mm -hmm. responsibility for our part and then we blame the other person and then the other person says you know honey I, here are my most tender emotions then we take it personally and then we throw it back in their face mm -hmm. i mean there's so many reasons and then we have our survival mechanisms some of us run some of us shut down some of us over talk some of us go into drugs into smoking and we pick up all these bad habits to numb to avoid dealing with what's really there to deal with and that's why doing the work is so important yeah that's true yeah i could um when you said you know people would say things like if i would express my feelings like when i was in a previous relationship and i would express some of the things how i felt and what i needed it get i get told oh you and your feelings and this and that and not listening or right. respecting you know this these are the things i need from you yeah but I, I have to get told i'm in my feelings or needy or clingy because yeah. my love language is physical touch uh -huh. and then somebody tell you you clingy it's like that that stays yeah. with you <laughs> like that That's really funny. hurt because yeah. i i like physical touch i don't mean to be clingy i've just i like physical touch that's my one of my top love languages yeah. Yeah. And you know, you know that 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 comment was more about that person than it was more about you, right? <laughs> I hope cuz I still this was years ago and I still think about being called clingy. <laughs> I cannot get that out of my mind. It's like, wow. Yeah. So, I have to actually I restrain myself when I do start talking to somebody to not show that, you know, affection right away, but it's like, wow. See, that's so interesting because I was similar to you. And then I met a husband who wants a clingy wife and I'm not clingy anymore. And, but he's like, he loves that. He loves being the hero. Mm -hmm. He loves yes. me like really being like almost codependent on him. Like he's the kind of man who's very chivalrous, right? He's like, I'm four foot 10. And so when he sees me on the counter trying to grab something off the high shelf, he's like, no, 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 get down. Let me do that for you. And I'm like, no, no, no. I I want to do it for myself i'm a big girl i can do it but it brings him joy and it makes him feel like he's contributing to me but like you you know i was taught don't ask for help it, it you know vulnerabilities weakness emotions need to be shut down you need to be a good girl you need to be a people pleaser you need to be perfect you can't rock the boat and so i've worked really hard over the last 20 years to really dismantle all of these things that have kept me small mm -hmm. and now i coach people to really live their big life as well because a lot of them were just like you and i were brought up that way and now they're realizing wait a second this doesn't work 
How do I break yeah. this habit or this this belief that I was that's been drilled into my head since I was mm-hmm. two years old? Yeah, yeah. Do you recommend? Because I know people get premarital counseling. Do you also re- recommend premarital coaching? I think coaching is more important than counseling, to be honest, especially in the pre, because the the, the biggest distinction that I see is that, you know. Counseling and therapy is really great for communicating and sort of getting clarity. But in my, from my standpoint, you actually need to create actions and structures and frameworks and strategies yeah. more than let's just talk about who we are. Okay, that's great. But how are we going to take you and me and make that into a thing that fits, yeah. right? And that takes a lot more structure, not just talking about stuff. It's really about a creation and also a change in behavior because now you got you're having to deal with another person not just yourself and so there's parts of you that you know when you're by yourself it's okay but like for example my husband is very sensitive in the words that i use he's very mm-hmm. sensitive in my tone he's very sensitive in my body language so normally i don't really think about that stuff i just i'm i'm unfiltered right this is this is what you see is what you get but with my husband, because I know how he how he reacts to my ways of being, I'm just I'm, I'm more thoughtful and I'm more um, I take my time when I'm speaking to him because I know that he's listening in a very distinct way. And so you got to figure out like how does the other person work? Where are the things that trigger me about them? What what is it about them that triggers me? And then how do we create structures and agreements and expectations so that we have a plan? So when we get into this argument that we've been getting into every week how do we how do we shift that so we we break that vicious cycle or that automatic response that we that dance that we do that we really need to we need to change the choreography because it's obviously not working <laughs> i had a question in my head <laughs> i wrote down some notes um so if a couple comes to you for premarital coaching and they've only known each other for what, about three months, how would you approach that situation? Mm-hmm. Well, it's funny because me and my first husband were only we're only engaged. Uh, we only dated for about three, four months until we got engaged. So I can really relate to this question. I think it's asking, but like, what is the vision that they have for their life? Where do they want to live? Do they want kids? Are they a homebody? Do they want to travel? I think, you know, when I look at my relation, my first relationship there or my first marriage, um, we didn't really talk about that stuff. We did. We had a lot of fun together is what it was. We traveled, we had a boat, but we didn't have these really deep conversations mm-hmm. and they were important to me, but it just never felt like it was the right time to talk about it. And I think in the back of my mind, I'm like, ah, we'll figure it out. It's not that important. And now I look at it, I was like, wow, that's really important, right? If my if my partner is a high sex drive and I'm a low sex drive, that, that might be a problem. I, I was coaching a couple actually, they're in their 20s. Again, a short, short uh, engagement. And he wanted to divorce her. And I said, well, why? He says, well, I have some non-negotiables. I said, like what? He says, well, I want to... I want a wife who will give me sex minimum of four days a week. And I said, well, did you talk about this before you got married? And he's like, no. I said, okay, but you're willing to divorce her out of it, but it you, you're telling me it's important, but not important enough to bring it up before you got mm-hmm. married. 
Yeah. You know, some of them wants one person wants kids, the other one doesn't. It's like, did you guys not talk about this? Wow, right? So yeah, those are important. Very important. How are we going to deal with money? You know, are we going to have separate accounts? And some people, like for me, if my husband said I want a separate account, I don't, I don't know how I'd feel about that because I wasn't raised that way, mm-hmm. right? So you have very different styles of how to deal with money, how to deal with kids. Um, in-laws what are your you know one of the things i see in hindsight is if i looked at my in-laws really closely i would have i would have seen the signs there was something really off about my in-laws and the way that my husband had talked about his parents was very negative but i i kind of just I kind of just let it go. I was like, oh, that's nothing. And I realized the the apple does not fall far from the tree. And mm-hmm. as much as he said he wanted the same things I did, he didn't. He wanted a stay-at-home mom, just like his mom, where the husband goes off to work, does not lift a finger at the house whatsoever. And he wanted mm-hmm. me to be that. And I'm like, I'm a career woman. When I met him, I had my own business. I was making 90 grand a year. I... Um, I couldn't cook, <laughs> you know, like I was a very, a very different person than his mom and what he expected a wife to be. But we didn't have that conversation that, okay, Janelle, I expect you to cook every single day yeah. and I expect you to be at home cleaning the house and I expect to not do any housework whatsoever. We did not have that yeah. conversation. Very important conversations. Yeah. Have you ever had experience with a couple um, and you thought it was just no hope for them? Have you ever had to tell a couple, you know, I just really feel like you, y'all be better divorced? I would never say that. That's not my place. But uh-huh. my question, my question is, are you guys willing to work it out? Because a lot of people come to me and say, Janelle, can this marriage be saved, right? Mm-hmm. And I say, absolutely. And at the end of the day, you are the only one who gets to say. Doesn't matter what I think. I could I could say, absolutely. But if you're not willing to do the work, if you're checked out, if you want to hold on to all that anger and resentment and hurt, then there's no hope. Just stop torturing each other and just separate. Or let it go and move on, right? Mm-hmm. Or like, oftentimes we tort, you know, I had a one couple his uh his her husband cheated on her like 20 30 years ago and i don't even from what i remember it wasn't anything it wasn't even sexual there was like like an emotional thing emotional. And, you know, those but here we are like 30 years later and there's still it's still a thing oh wow 30 years later and i'm like wow. why what is the point of holding on to this and when you say is what you want is joy and love and laughter and connectedness how are you going to get to that place from a place of resentment and blame and shame and complain and that all that negativity there's no there's no world that the, where those two things intersect they are completely different things so you actually have to be willing to let all of that go in order mm-hmm. to be able to make that jump and a lot of people don't want to do that they just want to hold on to the anger because because it's like a protection it keeps them mm-hmm. safe yeah i was thinking about a situation where i hear a lot of men will say i i didn't love her um they realized they they wasn't in love with that woman but they married her because they didn't want to be alone have you ever dealt with a situation like that and with somebody that maybe 
you coach them to see that individual and actually get to love them or learn to love them? I actually have a client right now that is that. Um, they are both lawyers. They've been together for 27 years. You know, they have the three houses and all the money and all, you know, all the toys, great kids. And he's thinking about leaving. Not like anything is wrong, but he just feels like there's more out there and she isn't it. And so he is right now doing the work to make sure that there isn't any other reason going on or you know, beyond the surf, uh, beneath the surface that he hasn't addressed. So I'm, you know, we're poking holes, we're looking under the rocks, we're digging, we're really looking to see, is there anything that can be salvaged? And if so, can he shift his heart to be open again? But in talking to him, what I got was that she's very critical and she's not very fun. And what he wants is fun. And he wants a fun and playful playmate in life. And wow. she's just not that. And so he's like, I don't know if I can tolerate being with someone that's not my my playmate, someone who's gonna play in life with me, because that's really important to me. So we're, we're doing the work. But I wouldn't say it's men or women. I think it's, it's just people. Um, mm -hmm. And especially these days, I feel like before you could say women are this way, men are this way. But I think it's now the lines are starting to be more blurred. Women are really taking on more masculine behaviors. Men are now taking more feminine behaviors. And so it's really hard to say men are this way. You know, even infidelity, I'm finding out more women are being unfaithful than men are currently. And before my clients were more women who wanted to do the work. Now it's men who want to do the work. So it's it's shifting, at least for me. So with that guy you just described, um, the lawyer, you do the count coaching with him alone or yes. is the wife involved at all? Uh, I'm actually coaching her separately. Oh, okay. Yeah. So it, yeah, it started with just him by himself. And then uh, she actually reached out to me and said, hey, you know, I know my husband's kind of going through this phase right now and I just want some tools on how to what do I do while he's dealing with that and how can I maybe show up differently towards him and so you know in speaking with her you know I heard like she's quite negative mm -hmm. and she blames him and she feels hurt and resentful and again I said how if you want to experience love and joy and connection with this and playfulness with this man how are you going to do that from where you are right now in this this energy that you're putting out and by the way it's a it's a sex repellent it's not it's not very attractive just so you know she's like i didn't even i didn't even think about that it's like yeah so again you need to you need to draw him in with the honey not the vinegar and so show up be playful be fun that's what he's looking for right now he has it that that you're not it so show him that you're it or maybe not i don't know but that's what he needs. That's what he's looking for. So if you can show up that way, then maybe there's a chance that he'll stay. But if you're committed to just making him feel bad and guilty for questioning this marriage, well, you might as well just pack it in because, you know, it's you're not going to you're not going to get anything out of making him feel bad about wanting to leave. Because at the end of the day, it is his choice. Mm hmm. Wow. Well, that's a good thing. She did come forward and try to yeah. get, you know, yeah. making some attempt to save her marriage. Yeah. And more importantly, she took responsibility. 
She's yeah. like, I just realized that I'm showing up this way. No wonder you don't want to spend time with me. Wow. What is your typical length of coaching a couple? Typical three months. Okay. Very short, very hard, dirty, fast. I, I go for the jugular. <laughs> I, I like to take, I like to do intense, hard, um, because my clients are in pain. They're like, they're like, ble they're emotionally bleeding and I'm trying to stop the bleeding as quickly as possible. And so again, I think that's why, you know, my style is really effective is because I'm, I'm talking to them both, you know, from a conscious level, we're also dealing with subconscious stuff. We're dealing with their own internal self love stuff, but we're also creating strategies and framework to have the relationship go another way. So we're hitting it from all different angles all at one time. And they generally meet me for two hours to three hours a week, depending on what we're dealing with. But generally speaking, yeah, 12 weeks is enough time for me to turn everything around from turn everything around 180 mm -hmm. if they're willing to work for it. And usually they're coming to me because their kids are in the mix. They don't want to get divorced. They want to, you know, make sure their kids are protected and that there's no additional trauma added to that. So usually they're quite motivated and open to doing the work that I give them. So when they're open and ready to do the work, it's easy, it's fast, right? It's just shifts, little tiny shifts in thought and, and belief and behavior. And then being accountable for that to me. And I'm, and I'm, you know, coming from a, a sales background, I'm really great at holding people accountable and helping people set really clear goals that when they reach them, now their confidence increases. Mm -hmm right and yeah. so now they feel good now the energy goes up and now they're gonna take more chances and then they're gonna do that they're gonna have that communication that they've been avoiding and then they realize wow that wasn't so hard i'll do it again and so yeah, yeah it's quite beautiful it's, and it's really fun wow that's good what was your most challenging challenging couple uh-huh the 20 year olds oh they were okay oh yes i feel like I don't, I'm not, I learned from that lesson. I am not cut out to, to coach 20 year olds. Um, they just haven't had a lot of life experience. Mm -hmm. And I don't know about you, but when I was in my twenties, I thought I knew it all. I was not willing to listen to anybody. I, I thought I was the smartest thing and had it all figured out. And so I find it's really hard for them to be open to changing without their ego getting really getting them getting their their feathers ruffled and i just to be honest i, I don't have time i don't have time to deal with that i'm just like i got the goods i'm gonna give it to you you either take it or you leave it yeah right that's what you're paying me for i'm not here to make you you know to tell you what you want to hear i'm here to tell you what you need to hear exactly you and got to like, put in the work that's right and they're just a lot of a lot of them just they don't want to or they're just they're just emotionally immature that they can't handle what it is that um i really hold them to account for but that's it i think it's it's that just the young people the young the young married couples yeah you said you had the 20 the couple that was married for 27 years what's the highest year marriage you've had in a couple late thir 30 37 37 so they were both in their mid 70s oh wow yeah and they're you know people want to have you know they're looking at retirement and going is this the person that i want to actually retire with and spend 24 7 with 
Because a lot of times, like the lawyer couple, their whole entire life was revolved around these children. And now that these children are off to university, and now he's retiring, and now he's going to have all this time, he's really looking at, well, where do I, who and where do I want to be spending my time? Yeah, wow. You would think in a situation like that, like you say, before you get married, did they communicate of their, their needs? Or did it change over time? From what I understand, their relationship was always good, but it was never great. Like, you know, so, you know, came along, but there wasn't ever passion and like, the, what Mike, my, my, me and my husband have is not, not that. It was more of a, from what I gather, it's like a relationship of convenience. It's like, you're a lawyer, I'm a lawyer, we went to school together, we kind of like the same thing, so let's get married. Okay. That sounds like the natural thing to do after you've dated someone for a while. You know, you got a good job, your resume looks good. Okay, that, why, why not? And I think we need to be way more, um, I don't want to say picky, but just smarter about these decisions and really looking to say, where's this decision coming from? Is it because I don't want to be alone? Or is it that I truly feel like this person is my person? Exactly. I just couldn't fathom doing that. Just settling. I guess that's why I'm not married and almost 50. But I just, I just, I had chances, but I just, I couldn't settle like that. Yeah. And it can get frustrating. I, you know, I think I dated like... 30 people before I got married. You know what I mean? Like I I was like a chronic dater, but it felt like all the men that I dated were not interested in settling down. They just wanted to have fun. That's all they cared about. Mm -hmm. Um and then and then, you know, my first husband came along and said, "Yep, I want I want to get married. I want kids. I got a job. I got all my teeth. I'm handsome." <laughs> right? And I'm like, "Oh, that's good enough. I mean, I haven't had a this is my first offer and I'm already, I think I was 25 when I, when I met him and I'm like, okay, well I'm 25. I mean, I'm already late to the show. I should have gotten married by the time I was 23, but you'll do. Yeah. <laughs> Terrible. Well, okay. Well, what are some of your, we're going to conclude this. I want you to talk to a person that's listening, that's married right now. Whether they're the couple that's watching this, they're watching it by themselves. What are some lasting words would you tell this person to encourage mm -hmm. them to help save their marriage? Be the change that you wish to see. We always put the onus on everybody else to be the change. We want to fix them so that we feel more comfortable. But we actually need to do the work with ourselves. You know, I have couples often that say to me, Janelle, I want to forgive my partner but I can't. And my response is always, yeah, you can't because you haven't learned forgiveness for yourself. Same goes with love, self-love and compassion. We cannot love another until we love ourselves. We cannot have compassion for another until we love ourselves. We barely know who we are. How are we gonna figure out somebody else? We just gotta d deal with our own business, not get so interested in other people's business and what they're dealing with. And I think just to remember and to have compassion for each other that we're all doing the best we can. It's mm -hmm. never malicious. You know, we always think, oh, that person's out to get me or to hurt me. We're like, no, we're all just trying to be happy. And yeah. sometimes 
we don't do it the right way. And I think we just need to have, I think, you know, looking at Jesus, like being so loving and just for me, getting that how other people behave is very little to do with us and more to do with them. And so what I'm, what I'm pointing to is don't take other people's behavior as personal. Like people say to me, oh, my husband cheated on me. I, I wasn't good enough. And it's like, well, consider that it has nothing to do with you being good enough. Mm -hmm. Consider it's him dealing with his own demons and perhaps him or her feeling unworthy or unsettled or unloved. Yeah. But it's not about you. And I think that's a hard thing for people to wrap their head around because mm -hmm. we want to, first of all, a lot of us, we want to say it's my fault or it's mm -hmm. his fault. Well, what if it was like, it's not about what, what, what if it wasn't about fault? Yeah. Right. What if we took fault out of the picture? Like what, what's act, what are we actually dealing with? Yeah. We're dealing with someone who feels lonely or feels like they need attention and they went outside of the relationship, whether that outside of the relationship was another woman gambling, a boot, uh, a bottle of liquor, smokes, drugs, whatever, whatever the mistress is, right? Mm -hmm. But there's always a reason and a lot of times it has very little to do with us. And we have to get responsible. Is there something that I'm doing that is causing my partner to numb out? And how can I support them and love them so that they come back? Yeah, that's good. Well, y'all heard it from the marriage healer. <laughs> <laughs> so how can they get in touch with you, Miss Janelle? Yeah, they can come and check my website out. I offer a free consult to anyone who wants to talk to me. I am just, that's my gift of love to the world. You know, not everybody is, you know, I'm not everybody's cup of tea. But, mm -hmm. uh, I, you know, one thing I promise you is I will show up and give you everything that I've got. And, you know, my track record is pretty impressive and you know i'm really just i'm really committed to not only saving families but really like the the family the family unit mm -hmm. right we're talking about generational trauma and we've yes you know we all want to be happy and sometimes that means divorce is inevitable or separation but there is always an impact on the children especially when they're young mm -hmm. Right? And we need to get responsible about what are we teaching our children? Or perhaps what are we not teaching our children? Because now we raise these humans who are addicted to video games, don't know how to interact or communicate or socialize or mm -hmm. emotionally regulate. We throw them out into the world to try to be successful and then they fail. And then they're not and they because they don't have the tools to do what to do what's right. So I think that we need to be very um, aware of the impact of our behaviors on our children and our children's children and our children's children, the generational impact of the decisions that we make. So, you know, with this guy, this lawyer, you know, he's part of his issue is like, I'm scared of what this is going to do to my family and what people are going to think about me. I said, well, let's mm -hmm. just put aside what people think about you. People are going to judge you no matter what anyway. My yeah. concern are for your kids. How is this going to impact your kids? Your relationship with your kids, their relationship to their mom. How are you going to break the news to them? And what is the emotional impact that you see from you guys splitting up that might 
affects their ability to fall in love because we're creating a generation of children that don't want to get married, don't want to have kids. They're just like, no, I just want to work and make lots of money and travel. I mean, that's great. And we're now becoming fearful of love, which is what we were made for. So that's really why I'm so passionate about this work and why it really concerns me of why why divorce is is so damaging so be smart when you get married (laughs) yes yeah wow i'm sure that someone's listening to this or watching this they have been inspired by you and if you were and if it's something that you would like to have marriage coaching i'll put the link to her um her website in the details of this episode and you do virtual, right? Yes. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I, I have clients in almost every continent. Okay, good. Wow. Thank you, Miss Janelle. This has been great. What an inspiration. Keep Thank doing you. what you're doing. Well. God will bless you. He is blessing you. Healing marriages. Wow. Yeah. That is a blessing. Yeah. And before, you know, I used to worry. I'm like, where are these clients going to come from? How? The how? I was stuck on the how. And when I really lean into faith and trust and surrender to the mm-hmm. calling and the purpose that I've been, I don't need to worry about it. I just have people who just hear me on a podcast, Google mm-hmm. Life Coach, and they fall in my lap and... So I just pray that whoever is meant to find me, whoever is praying for a miracle, that yes. somehow God will t- will navigate them towards me so that they can make the decision whether or not they feel that I am the one to help them through this process. Wow. Well, y'all that's married out there, it's the new year. If y'all been thinking about separating divorce, yeah. think twice. Click on uh, Miss Janelle's website, get their free consultation and get involved with her coaching. She will heal your marriage. All right. And those that are not subscribed to my podcast, Live Conversations with Dr. Amy, click that like button and subscribe. You'll be blessed and inspired like we were today. Thank y'all. And thank you, Janelle. Thank you.